0: Are you paving the way for the life you want? Facing decisions that may affect you personally and financially? The Decision Dialogues podcast, brought to you by Modera Wealth Management, presents personal stories about navigating through life's pivotal moments. Narratives that we hope will inspire you as you create your own story. You'll learn what influenced their next steps and gain insights that could help you with your own critical choices. Welcome to Decision Dialogues.
1: Thanks for joining us on Decision Dialogues. We're thrilled to have you along. My name is Mark Willoughby, and I'm a principal and wealth manager at Modera Wealth Management LLC. Today my partner, Tom Arecchio, who's the CEO of Modera Wealth Management, will be chatting with Dr. Samira Dowd Ahmed, a founder and owner of Metropolitan Endocrinology based in New Jersey. Welcome everyone to the show and I'll hand it over to Tom.
2: Thank you, Mark. Doctor Dowd, nice to have you with us. Uh, we're going to get right to it, and you know I'm going to ask what I think might be a relatively difficult question because most doctors don't do this. But you went into private practice and started a business. What was that like, and how has it impacted you personally and financially?
3: Thank you so much, Professor Paul Tom, to give me this opportunity to be here. You know, most of the doctors they went to the medical school to serve humanity, and that's further nurtured during our medical school. Business-first decision actually creates internal conflict to the core value to this. And that leads to unhappiness and unsatisfaction, in my opinion.
2: So what, is it fair to say that you did this as much for your own satisfaction and happiness as you did for anything else?
3: No, I think it, it also actually patient-first approach than business can actually not only good for uh, businesses, but also for the patients. So patient 1st then business can drive more thriving and loyal practice that will then drive the better outcomes for the patients as well as the medical practices.
2: So you have a partner, correct?
3: Yes, I do have a partner.
2: So tell us a little bit about how you became partners and why you decided to go into business with someone else rather than on your own.
3: It was the best decision that I made to have a partner because... When you are with a, another doctor, it financial stability, of course, because then you have another doctor with you, so shared cost is divided. Then at the same time, reduce risk of the burnout. When I'm on vacation, she can be there. When she's on vacation, I can be there. Better work-life balance, I would say. That would help in that too. Yet at the same time. That was the hardest decision. Because in my mind, I was worried about losing the friendship. She's my best friend.
2: Wow. So you guys were best friends prior to becoming partners?
3: Yes. She's my best friend and my neighbor.
2: That's a big step.
3: So my biggest concern when I was joining that people were asking me, oh, are you nervous to start the practice? And at that point, I was like, you know, I have full confidence in our professional skills, full confidence that we have the ability to have built a reputable patient-centered practice. I didn't want to do that at the end of the day that we have a successful practice with a successful business partner, but I will lose my friendship. The reason I I was concerned about it because we are very different people that complement each other, right? But when you're making a business decision, that can possibly create friction. We have learned to be disciplined and we actually don't bring business to our friendship. And so far, window cross, first quarter is done. So far so good. We have learned a lot.
2: That's oh, it's good to hear. What would you say the easiest financial decision you have made is?
3: You know, the easiest financial decision I think was to hire my medical assistant. She was my uh, previous medical assistant. Wanting to bring the right customer service is very, very important to the business aspect of it, especially in the medical field. Our patients love her. She's very trustworthy. And I think that brings the best outcomes for the patients. And if you look at it, any big company, look at the world largest company like Apple. What do they do? They strive on the customer service, and it's evident that it provides the business. So that will definitely lead to the financial better financial outcome. One less stress on us, and we can concentrate more on patient services.
2: All right. Well, we couldn't agree more. That's how we've built our practice, but it's amazing how many businesses don't. It really is. So, Mark, I know you're looking to ask a question. Can you dive in?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to, Tom. You know, it's it's funny, Doctor Dowd. I heard you saying at the start about the the conflict between taking care of the client and running a successful business. And um, can you expand on that a little bit? Because you know, here at Madeira, we recognize what you're saying, but we also, I think, we're very aligned in the sense that we feel like if we take care of our clients. Everything else takes care of itself. Can you, can you expand on what you meant by the conflict between putting the client first and running a successful business?
3: When you put the clients first, what's going to happen? It's going to actually bring you more referral, right? Don't underestimate the power of a word of mouth referral. Actually, most of my referral, I would say over 75% is by the word of mouth. And what it will generate, it will more referral, then you don't have to worry about that part. And it's automatically generate the referral base that will lead to the financial stability. And when, once there is a financial stability, you can concentrate more. Because what do we do? What is the reason when we have more client base, then we are in a better negotiation power with the insurances or better reimbursement, Right? So indirectly, we did not try to do, generate more business by advertising, false advertising. What we are doing, we are providing the better service, and yet we are doing the better outcomes. If you look at it, in my field especially, what is the bread and butter? It's like diabetes, which is the prevention is better than cure. Look at obesity, which is still have the stigma attached to it. If we look at it, the obesity bias is really rare. Wherever we go, whether we go to the real Mar- uh, workplace or a public place, everywhere it is evident. Providers are not comfortable. They don't have enough time. That leads to patients to feel uncomfortable. They feel like they are unheard. As a result, they never want to start that conversation or they don't want to even or go for that conversation. So if you make them feel comfortable about it, that would lead to more client base.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, Dr. Dowd. You provide a completely different service to our firm, but our philosophy around making sure the client is taken care of first and foremost, our philosophies are exactly the same. Everything flows from that as far as we're concerned. One other part, Tom, if I may, there's an interesting challenge that you faced. Number one, when you were deciding to launch your own business, you had your best friend, you you had that challenge to face. You know, one of the things we help our clients with is the financial side of it. Talk to us about the decision-making and the financial decision-making that you had to grapple with before you decided to launch your own business. You worked before launching your own business, right?
3: Yes, I was actually in a practice for 12 years.
1: So you you had a lot of experience before working for another employer, and now you're at the point in your career where you feel like, okay, I can do this on my own. I might need the help of my best friend, and her professional expertise talk to us about the financial decision making that led you to be comfortable launching your own business
3: so what we did initially we both have a successful husband's practices or business we didn't have to worry about it so we said okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually put in at least a year of business running so we don't have to worry about it because remember what was our motto? our motto, the two core values that we decided that is the first thing that we both agreed upon. And I think that was the main reason why we don't conflict. The two values were patient comes first, then business follow. I'm not saying go bankrupt. As we talk about it, if the patient comes first, it's automatically generate the business. Already surpassed our expected number of the clients at this point. Then the second core value was keeping our employees happy. Because if the happy employees are gonna bring the good customer service. That will be ultimate. The desire is to keep the patients happy. That's what we did. it, And I think that really helped us. It's still very premature to say it's only four months into our practice. We already, as I said it, we are definitely what I thought we would be closer to a year mark.
1: The parallels are eerie between the approach you're taking and the approach we've taken for the last 30 years at our firm. Clients first. Our whole idea of the culture of our firm is, of course, there has to be some sort of hierarchy in the firm. Our entire approach to the culture of the firm is that every single employee is treated with the same amount of respect and dignity. Pat and Tom and the rest of the ownership group at Modair are passionate about that. We feel we create that culture. We have a happy group of employees. And like you, we feel if we have that, they will take good care of our clients. That
3: is so reassuring to hear somebody who's in 30 years of business. And have the same motto, there's
2: no I in team. So I will ask the obvious question that has to be asked at every one of these. And that is, everybody would like a do-over card. Like I get to do one thing differently. And now that you're in business for a while, what is the one thing you think you might do differently or might have done differently at the outset? I
3: wouldn't stress about it as much. I would change my belief system right from the beginning. And yes, friendship. Business can happen together. I will change my attitude towards there is no such thing as failure. There is only success and experience.
2: It's an attitudinal thing. And wow, a lot of people can learn from that. I know that we stress over things. And every once in a while, we ask, well, why are we stressing over this? It's not going to make it any better. It's only going to make it worse. So what are we doing? That's a great answer. Love it. Here's another one that we we frequently ask because people come from all walks of life, all different types of businesses. What do you think the best financial advice you ever received was?
3: Invest in myself for my professional development. That's very important. A lot of the time we ignore in ourselves. And remember, when you are running a practice or a business, if you yourself is not well-versed on it or not in your well-being, you won't be able to run it. I think that was the best thing.
1: Can I jump in there, Tom? So Samir, let me just expand on that because you've just started your own business. I'm assuming in your prior life, 12 years working for another practice, a large portion of your time would have been spent on patient care. Now you're a small business owner. Let me ask you the first question. Do you like the different aspect of running the business as opposed to taking care of your clients?
3: The business management part is there, but at the same time, it makes my life easy in certain ways of making decisions. Because every patient is unique. Every patient has different criteria that I need to meet. to make their outcomes better. In the business management, if I can make a decision without relying on somebody, then it actually helps the outcomes better. And remember, if the outcome is better, that's gonna make the outcomes for my company better too.
1: Interesting. So I'm going to predict that as you meet more and more success and you get more and more patience, at some point you may have to make a, a sort of a decision yourself. Do I want to stay with patience? Or do I want to run my business?
3: Remember, even if I have at that point, I will hire somebody to help me manage the practice. Still, I will be the one who can guide them instead of they guiding me what to do.
2: So I want to get back to the question I asked, what was the best advice you ever received? And you said to invest in yourself and in your well-being. Can you give us an example of one of the things that you're doing now outside of the workplace that helps you grow, or that just provides you entertainment.
3: First thing I did, interesting, when right at the time, and I gave my resignation. At that time, there was a—it's a powerful group of the physicians' mom group, a Facebook group. So creating on your own legacy. And at that time, I was like, "How I'm starting my own. She's starting her own thing." So like, I went into this, this thinking, "Let me help another business." The startup. Actually, that helped me the most. And that's from where I learned that we need to invest in ourselves, in our time. We have to invest in our time to create more time. That sounds as silly, but if we invest in our time to make a calendar, all of a sudden we create so much time. The same way we invest in our money, to create more money. The same way we invest our time to create more time. We invest in our health to get healthier.
1: You know what that reminds me of? Dr. Dowd, it's an approach that my good partner here, Tom, has taken over the last 20, 30 years, which is talking to other owners of businesses like ours, learning how they run their business, how they run their practice. The amount of learnings that we have developed from talking to other business owners has been so beneficial from our perspective that I would definitely encourage you to continue to talk to other small business owners because you learn so much from them.
3: That's true. You learn from their experience, you learn from their failure, and sometimes all you need is cheering up. When I would just come home and I would be just, I had a patient who would cry in my office, you were leaving, and I would just feel so guilty about it, yet I know I'm making the right decision. I mean for my patient's outcome, for myself. They will be there to cheer me
1: up. My, so my understanding, Dr. Dowd, is that your practice is, split between obesity, nutrition, endocrinology. Sounds to me like you have a passion for obesity, the obesity area, is that right? My passion
3: is really about prevention. So how did I get into this obesity? Most of the patients are diabetics, or I should not say diabetes, diabetics. I should, the better word is patient with diabetes, right? You should not live with patients here. So patients with diabetes. And by the time they get to me, the damage is already done. And that led to me, how can I prevent it? By reducing the unhealthy weight. That led me to this obesity management. And then if you look at it, we talked about it, this stigma earlier. What would be the worst than this stigma? That that's the only disease that insurance company can actually put it as a plan exclusion. There are companies that straight away insurances can say that it's a plan exclusion until you get a complication of it. So we wait for the complication to happen, then we start treating it.
2: Which doesn't make a lot of sense from a health point of view, does it? Or even a business point of view, because it probably costs more to treat it long term than it would to avoid it altogether.
3: If you look at it, what happened? when these people feel isolation, what it leads to this isolation is if you look at loneliness and isolation itself, there are studies showing These social isolation actually can lead to a lot of the problems, including lower immunity, more risk of heart attack, more risk of stroke. Don't forget Alzheimer's disease, depression. What would it lead to? More absences at work. And actually there was a, a paper on loneliness and mortality. And not to my surprise, there was an increased likelihood of 26% mortality on these people. So let alone, without even getting into the, yet the complications of the disease itself, just the loneliness can lead into this problem. So one of the things that I really wanted to do and that I was not able to do in my other practice, and that led me to, is I wanted to do shared medical appointment, which basically what you do, it's like appointments where you have about 8 to 16 patients, of course, all by the consent, we all sit in a group. So you feel like, first of all, you're not the only one who's dealing with it. We all learn from our experience. It's more of the satisfaction also. In a typical doctor's appointment, you're with the doctor 15 to 30 minutes. Now all of a sudden, for 90 minutes, you're with a doctor and other providers like a nutritionist or a coach together. And as you're talking, you're learning. Because what I do every 30 minutes, I'm repeating myself. But instead of repeating myself, we are touching on all the different subjects. We are covering a lot more, and we are building a community.
2: Do you find that those types of appointments are a little bit more therapeutic?
3: work therapeutic and actually studies have shown better outcomes. I did it on a very limited time believe in 2014 or 15. They were not able to continue for the reasons possessed decisions. Patients still remember and they still ask for it.
1: it. You know what it reminds me of Dr. Dowd? I mean it sounds like the same concept of group therapy where you've got people in the same room who think that they're exceptionally unique in having the issues that they have. But once you put them in a group therapy session and they hear other people's stories, they start to relax and realize, I'm not a whole lot different. And then literally, it becomes a, a sort of a very beneficial and healthy progression where they talk out their issues. It's almost like you're taking the same approach. Exactly. And
3: funny thing is, not funny, I should not say funny. Interesting thing is, my husband's a psychiatrist. So he went through that route where it was a stigma. Now we have overcome that. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen with obesity. And the insurance will ultimately cover it.
2: So I got to ask the obvious question then. You had to get the patient's consent to do group meetings, like this group appointments. Does the insurance company cover these group
3: appointments? Yes, this covered actually. Big. I did my training actually at the Cleveland Clinic, and they do a lot of these visits. These are really good ways of preventing Preventable diseases or the diseases for the long-term chronic diseases.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the connection between the mental side and the physical side, the hip bone is connected to the brain. Usually the hip bone is connected to the thigh bone. The body's connected to the brain and you got to get both working together.
3: Simple example is that if you have a cut in your little finger, paper cut, that little paper cut can distract you so much.
1: It's funny, when I heard you describe this first, I thought it was you bringing a group of other medical professions into the room with one patient. It's almost like you're bringing in a group of medical professions to a group of patients, which is even more powerful. And it's so so similar to the approach. We feel like we're at the center of our client's financial universe. But there's so many other experts in that whole area, like accountants and attorneys and insurance agents. So you're taking a very similar approach to us where, you know, you bring in a nutritionist, maybe a life coach.
3: A life coach or a health coach or cognitive behavior therapists to help them because you know what is the most satisfying thing what is the thing that we do the most eat it in every day so that's real right and then we associate it that every time when we are at home and relaxed and at night eating is making us feel better no it's being at home is making us feel better but we are corresponding our brain we are training our brain that is making us happy
1: I personally think you're definitely onto something with the shared professional approach and getting people with similar challenges in the same room, doctor. So I, I wish you the best. I, I think that the benefits that can bring to that group of patients.
3: Yeah, and it's not only for the, the obesity or type 2, even like the type 1 patients, we see a lot of the problem, especially in these young people. Talking about other patients who are insulin, dependent the young age, they develop the diabetes. These are the people, especially when they go from parents' insurance to independent, right at the same time, they're becoming independent. These people, first, they are not comfortable. They, are not, they feel like they're not accepted in the community with their palms or insulin needs. Insulin is not covered or insulin expense is not. They start actually rationing their insulin. And I have seen unfortunate stories. All these things, and for that, I want to actually do the shared medical, and I also want to do things on the uh, social media to make awareness.
1: You're striking very close to home here, Doctor Dad, because my daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes when she was six years old. My nephew, back in Ireland, uh, was diagnosed when he was four. I've been very involved with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation in raising funds for diabetes research, and I agree with everything you've said. On the other end of that, then you've got. The advances in technology where my daughter is using essentially a closed loop advanced artificial pancreas system where she's got a pump an insulin pump combined with a continuous glucose monitor and they talk to each other. It's a game changer for her it should be FDA approved in the next year hopefully
3: yeah this is actually already closed loop is already
1: yeah yeah but this one is a wireless closed loop where there are no cables whatsoever.
3: So the thing is that just imagine if she is sitting in a room with a person who's newly diagnosed, worried about showing up the pump, and here she's talking, oh, my life is just completely normal. That's going to influence? versus says, I'm telling, you don't understand, doctor. What does it feel like to have something with me all the time? Now here I have a clear example.
1: So I think, I think my daughter is ultimately going to be an advocate in this area. Obviously the work that you're doing, from your end. A lot of people don't understand the distinction between type one and type two. So there's a lot of education we need, to, we need to do.
3: Exactly. So it's like a very broad field that I'm dealing with. Definitely the prevention and awareness is my biggest thing because I think that makes a big difference.
2: I have one finishing question. There's something in all small business owners, and so you're not only a professional, but you're a small business owner. There's something about what they do that gets them excited so that they keep doing it. Otherwise they drop it and they go work for someone else or where they retire. What would you say the one thing is that gets you out of bed in the morning and gets you excited about what you do?
3: My patients love me. So it was like, you know how when you leave a practice, there's non-compete. So there was a the chance like one year I have this non-compete. That's why I had to move my practice bar. And the only thing that, so there was an the option that I can take a year off. It's like, some of my patients would try to find me. They will be, and especially those are the type ones that I was more worried. Are the pregnant patients that I, with endocrine problems, that I feel with those were the specific ones that I was worried. So I would see my patients.
2: Well, we loved having you today. Thank you for sharing your story, Mark. Any other closing comments?
1: What was the last non-financial decision that you had to make today or yesterday, Doctor?
3: That's every morning. If you ask me in the morning, the decision would be, should I let my kids be in the bed 10 extra minutes or not? I'm sure that's the story for everybody, right?
1: That's the same for all the parents.
3: And I did let them do extra 10 minutes today.
1: That's good.
2: It was a dreary morning, so I understand that.
3: Yeah, because I, I got to get the 10 extra minutes too then.
1: Well, thanks very much to Tom and Samira for letting us listen in another conversation. We appreciate your time and perspectives and thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time on Decision Dialogues for more stories from successful business owners. So long for now.
0: Thank you for listening to Decision Dialogues. We hope you found today's stories helpful for your own decision-making. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can subscribe on your preferred podcasting app Or visit our website, where you'll also find show notes and important disclosures. www.moderowealth.com forward slash decision dialogues. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.